0: What happens when a police department has so many problems that the best solution is simply to scrap it and start again?
1: Traditionally in police departments they have this motto, better to end up in front of 12 than carried by 6. That is a warrior mentality.
0: Defund the police has become a clarion call for Black Lives Matter protesters across America. What does that mean in practice?
1: There is a window here where what was previously unimaginable is now possible at least worth debating
0: you're listening to stories of our times from the times and the sunday times i'm manveen rana today the city that disbanded its police department and what happened next
3: in Atlanta last night over a deadly police shooting. A new name being chanted, Rayshard Brooks, fatally shot by police at a fast food drive-thru Tonight, with a
1: mounting national chorus decrying police brutality against black Americans, there's a new call for deep structural reform of policing across the country. Many are now demanding departments be defunded, dismantled, or outright abolished.
0: After weeks of protests across the U.S., The movement against police racism is not fading away, but it does have a new demand. Not reform the cops, disband them.
3: On Sunday, a majority of Minneapolis City Council members pledged their commitment to defund the city's police department.
0: Minneapolis has pledged to dismantle its police department, while New York has announced that it will cut police funding.
3: When I first heard defund the police, I have to admit my first reaction was fear. But that's exactly the center of my white privilege. The police.
0: Defund, dismantle, disband. They've become the buzzwords of the moment. But what do they mean in practice?
2: How would Americans feel if they actually defunded the police? Well, terrified, mostly. That's how we would feel. A month ago, if you said any of this, you seemed like you were crazy and it was a pipe dream that would never happen.
1: But again, after these protests, it may soon become a reality. Certainly the debate has shifted in a way that few could have anticipated at a speed that is is quite dizzying.
0: Josh Glancy is the Sunday Times' Washington bureau chief.
1: For the really committed activists in Black Lives Matter and, and beyond... It really does mean defunding the police, disbanding the police, basically reimagining community safety without a police force. Now, you might still have some kind of armed response units, but if you think about how we live in wealthier neighbourhoods, you know, certainly the the neighbourhoods I've grown up in, and I don't interact with the police. i probably interacted with the police three or four times in my life, frankly. And you think about how people are living in neighbourhoods in... Chicago or Detroit uh, P- or Minneapolis—places where some of these police brutality incidents have happened—people are interacting with the police all day long, sometimes. And so, what they're arguing for is is a reimagining of the, of those interactions, so that so that people in poorer communities of color are having the kind of experiences that people in other neighbourhoods are having with the police.
0: And have we actually seen it happen anywhere?
1: No. So. The, the, the blueprint that is often held up for this is Camden, New Jersey. To be clear, Camden, the police was not defunded or disbanded in any meaningful way. What happened was they shut the department down and restarted it from scratch.
2: have an interview here, Mayor. How are you? How are you doing?
1: Do? Yeah. Hi there.
0: <laughs> but what did the police there actually do? To find out, Thank Josh jumped much, in a car and right. made the two-hour drive from Washington, D.C. to Camden, New Jersey. And while he was there, the police took him along on a patrol. Uh,
2: um, so I'm, I'm 37 now.
1: come what neighbourhood did you go up in? In East Camden, in right. Maguire
2: Garden Apartments, which were considered the projects...
1: You've got to be aware when you go to places like this and, and do this sort of thing, they're always going to give you their best guide. So Gabriel Rodriguez is 37. He's, he's chief of staff, effectively, to the, to the chief of police. I think, you know, if if you did get into a scrap with him, I think he'd certainly have the upper hand, although that wouldn't be difficult with me. But he had this real sense of, like, self-possession. But he he came up in the local projects. Uh, He spoke a lot about his negative experiences with police growing up. He stopped and being stopped and searched, seeing the police as, again, always a negative thing. Policing
2: was different then. Mm. You you only seen police when
1: something bad was happening. Right, when someone was shot. Oh, you know the cops are here. Something's going, Something bad's gone down. He spoke that, of his kind of alienation from that. Have a voice, a voice. And how when you were growing up, how were the police viewed in your neighborhood and among your your friends and stuff?
2: They weren't viewed. Uh, they they were viewed as, as you know when you saw the cops, you just had this nasty feeling in your stomach that something was bad was happening. Mm. There was nothing, no positive associated with a police right. car. They were coming, you've seen people drug out of their homes in front of their children. Um, you've seen people, people's bodies bagged up. You know, mm. you, you're experiencing all these... Negative but also
1: that I mean, he, he joined the police because, because he hated the drug dealing um, and the, and the drug I mean, I industry that blighted police. his I mean, neighbourhood.
2: You know, we rarely came out as a kid you know, when the sun went down, you went inside, you locked right. all the doors, you stood away from the windows. Right. Because there was always shots being fired. We, instead of doing fire drills, we did drills if there were shots fired, how to get
1: go down low and crawl mm. uh, and, and try to get in the closet. Um, you know, sir, what's the reason you pulled you talked about coming home from school and having to kind of plot his route so that he would not go past the dealers and not get into trouble. And, and he felt he wanted to do something about that.
2: Which, it really bothered me to see how blatant some people are with selling drugs and and the causes of those drugs. And he
1: just spoke with really immense pride about what they were doing there to work with the community, not against them. And it meant a lot coming from someone who's from that community and still has all his family and friends in that community and still, when he takes his uniform off at the end of the day, is still another person of colour who, you know, he's been stopped off duty and he still sees both sides of of the story.
0: He knows what it's like to be on the other end.
1: He certainly does, yeah.
0: So take me back to 2012 in Camden, New Jersey. What was going on? How did they end up in a situation where they made any attempt to disband the police?
1: So Camden's an interesting place. I've spent a lot of time in Philadelphia, which is one of my favourite cities in America, and and Camden is its poor relation. It it sits over the river, much like Brooklyn does to Manhattan. It's thought of as very crime-ridden and... It became a byword for crime and urban decay. Taxi drivers wouldn't take you across the river from Philadelphia. The former police chief described the murder rate there as somewhere between Honduras and Somalia. Oh, wow. Um, So in 2012, their violent crime rate was the highest in the country. It was really about as bad as it gets in an American city.
0: In 2012, things seemed to change.
1: You had this very charismatic police chief called Scott Thompson and he decided that the only way any of his planned reforms were going to have any impact was to wipe the slate clean and start again. Uh, and they introduced lots of new ideas. They had a new doctrine of force which really emphasized that you have to exhaust all other means before using violence to de-escalate wherever possible. And they really really focused on community policing which, you know, is not a new idea, but You have to do it for many years for it to really have an impact. You have to build deep relationships with community stakeholders, with priests, with community centre owners, with shop owners. You have to get out your cars, walk the streets. And actually they needed more officers to do that, not fewer. But, you know, they put ice cream cars on drug corners. They do barbecues every week. They hand out ice creams. They try and make people's first interactions with the police positive because in a lot of these neighbourhoods, the police just mean bad news.
0: So why did they have to disband the old police and come up with a new community version to be able to make those changes?
1: I think there are these latent structures within police departments that are just hard to change, primarily personnel. The fact is, if you've come up in the old days, and you're set in your ways, a lot of people aren't going to change. You can change policy all you want. But if you don't have the right personnel, you're still going to get people making bad decisions. And also, They moved to a county department, which meant it changed their funding, lots of sort of technical stuff like that. But at its heart, the structure was rotten. And ultimately, you couldn't build something new. You had to to start again, really. I
0: mean, what were the actual changes that they've implemented to make themselves seem friendlier?
1: Well, a key part of it is changing the doctrine of force. So in terms of de-escalation, exhausting all other means before using your weapon, there's a duty to intervene if other officers are using excessive force
0: police each other as much as the streets
1: well certainly yeah to hold each other to account and the rest of it is is, I mean, he kept emphasizing this point you've got to get out your car which i think means physically getting out your car but it also means the mentality is i'm out my car i'm walking the streets i'm talking to people i'm building relationships it just changes the whole perception of, of what the police are and what they do
0: So are they really walking around on patrol handing out ice creams?
1: Yeah. The ice cream van turns up, it parks on the corner, the drug dealers slope off, as you might expect, and all the kids come and get free ice cream because who doesn't want free ice cream?
2: I'm still amazed when I see, and I've, I've participated myself handing out ice cream, when I see a cop calling kids over and they're running to that officer and he's giving them ice cream. That's nothing I can ever imagine as I was a kid growing up here in the city. Yeah. An officer, give, they, they would probably laugh at that officer. His, his fellow, <laughs> you know, co-workers were probably, he'll never hear that. It,
1: it's They're a little bit knowledge. gimmicky at times. And now we I think yeah, much more of it is about the structural change. But they really seem to think this stuff works because of what it represents, which is an enduring commitment to community policing. Not a gimmick, not just... We're going to do this for a month and then go back to beating you up again. But we are here for the long run.
0: Thank you so much.
1: It is good to be in Camden.
0: It's an experiment that garnered a lot of attention. Even Barack Obama held it up as a model for other cities to follow. I've come here to Camden to do something that might have been uh, unthinkable. And that's to hold you up as a symbol
1: of promise for the nation.
0: But has it worked? Here's what the official crime stats say.
1: You've seen a 41% reduction in major violent crimes. You've seen a 95% reduction in, in excessive force complaints. In 2012, there were 67 murders in the city. So far this year, there have been three recorded. And, you know, I didn't just speak to the police when I went there. I, I spoke to some local business owners who, who are... You know, obviously less effusive than than the police who were trying to sort of blow their own trumpet. But people really felt that there had been an important change. Now, let's be clear, like Camden is still a very poor, uh, deprived city and there's plenty of crime still going on there.
0: Despite the success story on paper, some critics point out that Camden has a smaller population than it had 10 years ago. And violent crime figures are on a downward trend nationally too. And some residents also suspect that violent crimes are being reclassified as non violent offenses. It's a live and ongoing debate in Camden.
3: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers.
0: Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500
3: or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
0: How is it responding to the George Floyd protests? What is life like for the police in Camden right now?
1: There was some significant protest in the wake of George Floyd's death, but... It was very much done in conjunction with the police. So the the current police chief, Joseph Wysocki, turned up at the door of the woman organising the protest on the morning of, she was called Yolanda Diva, and said, you know, do you mind if I join in? Would would that be OK? And she said, sure. And they marched together. And so you haven't had a lot of the problems we saw early on in terms of police brutality and, and disorder on the streets there. And it's a different relationship that people have with the police more generally. As I said, not perfect by any means, but significantly better than most of what you've seen across America.
0: While you're watching these sort of debates around policing unfold, I mean, how how far do you think they might go? All this talk of defunding and disbanding, you know, how serious is it getting now?
1: Well, you know, Congress is discussing it seriously. The Senate is preparing to add to the conversation surrounding law enforcement with our own serious proposal. There is a bill the Democrats are putting together in the House, which will go to the Senate. And even Mitch McConnell, the famously sort of truculent Republican Senate leader, who is not known as a leader on these matters, shall we say, is showing openness and talking the talk on some kind of major police reform. So we'll see. They may water it down. They usually do in Congress. But a lot of cities will have individual mandates to do what they want. But You've seen in Minneapolis, where this started, they have disbanded their police department. Now, what they do next is anyone's guess, frankly. They haven't really fleshed it out. We may see a much more Camden-style type of policing. Or they may try and do something more radical. What would that be? (sighs) Well, you can ask... I mean, there was an interview with their city council leader the other day, and it was unbelievably vague. So, (laughs) But but they talk about sort of community-based policing. I mean... I think you end up with a police force by another name. I think they're going to try putting a lot of money into social services. Part of the problem you have in America is that the police are kind of, in some neighbourhoods, they're the port of call for really everything that goes wrong. So you've got policemen turning up in situations that are really driven by mental health issues and by addiction issues. And the police, OK, they have some training in this area, but, but ultimately their priority is, is you know, law and order. That's what they're for. So there are situations where if you you had a properly funded uh, and trained social workers and mental health workers going in there, you might be able to de-escalate a lot of what happens.
0: What else are they looking at? I mean, um, I understand you've been talking to some academics about this.
1: There's an interesting guy called DeRay McKesson who is a a leader of of kind of the racial justice movement. He's got this programme called Eight Can't Wait and it's eight reforms that they should make now to the police, including banning the use of chokeholds and strangleholds. Banning the use of shooting at moving vehicles, requiring a comprehensive report every time an officer uses force. This is what you would call a use of force doctrine, a bit like what they did introduce in Camden. But then what was interesting is DeRay got slammed from his left by the people who say, no, we, we actually want to defund the police. We actually want to get rid of the police. So it's a complex, complex issue. There aren't any easy answers.
0: So, if, if you arrived in Camden now, I mean, would it be normal to see policemen on the street? You know, it's really interesting. You, you talked about how in wealthy neighbourhoods all over the world, you actually don't see policemen much. What, what's it like in Camden? Are they a constant presence?
1: Yes, I think they are. They, they do a lot of surveillance, actually. They, they've got quite a sort of high tech surveillance. But there are a lot of bobbies on the beat. But they look more like a British bobby in a way. And they seem to sort of walk around rather than this kind of maybe slightly clichéd image we have of American policemen sort of, you know, driving their patrol cars through neighbourhoods, kind of glaring out the window. With doughnuts. Uh, <laughs> right, well, yeah, sort of munching on a Dunkin's and you know, looking for trouble.
0: And I mean, are they wearing the same uniform? How, how different do they look? They look the same. And are they armed? They look
1: the same. They are armed for the most part. But they just have this different mentality and they're very proud of it and again I, I don't want to paint too rosy a picture here this is it's not a perfect place but they, you know one of the policemen told me this long story about how they'd spent 15 hours last week in a situation where there was a guy with a knife he'd been threatening his family they'd called the police he was clearly mentally unwell and they'd spent 15 hours basically talking him off the ledge not using force and eventually you know maybe just he got tired he gave up the knife and they were able to, to, you know, take it from there. And they said they got calls from other police departments. The chief got calls saying, wow, you guys really, what were you, you know, I can't believe you waited that long. It's just, it's not what police are generally trained to do. Traditionally in police departments, they have this motto, better to end up in front of 12 than carried by six.
0: Oh, wow. That's a mindset.
1: Yeah, it's a mindset. It's better that you end up in front of a jury than in a box. And it's a kind of brotherhood in arms.
0: I mean, it tells you a lot that they they go out thinking it's one or the other.
1: Mm. And, you know, this is not an easy job. These are dangerous places. And these are people, you know, they do put their lives on the line to protect the community. So, you know, that ought not to be forgotten in all of this. But that is a warrior mentality, as it's described. In Camden, they've tried to move to what they call a guardian mentality.
0: I mean, it certainly looks significant from afar, but for you in the middle of it, does it feel like, is this sort of a big Me Too moment for, for race relations where suddenly sort of things that people have been aware of for years are being talked about more openly and with sort of a momentum behind them?
1: I, I would never underestimate the apathy and dysfunction of Congress to make legislative reform, but in terms of the culture, this is the Me Too analogy I think is a very good one because it is the thing that was in front of people's faces but somehow didn't cut through. You've seen the, the polling in terms of how people view racism and the police have moved in a way that it's a once-in-a-generation shift.
0: I realise it's unfair to ask you to, to do any crystal ball-gazing when so much is changing and so quickly, but how different might things be in a year's time when it comes to police and the issue of race in America?
1: There aren't any easy answers, but what's clear is that there is a window here where what was previously unimaginable is now at least possible, at least worth debating. Where it will go, I don't know. I mean, historically in America, whenever you have a, an action like this, you have no kind of reactionary backlash. We could be talking in six months' time and Donald Trump could have won re-election as a law and order candidate and a all that rather different. Yeah. Or... They might pass a significant police reform bill through Congress, and this may look like another important chapter in America's march towards civil rights and equality. It may be seen as another chapter in that in that more uplifting story. And it's, it's one Tell of me about
0: going out know, with Gabe Rodriguez. How were people responding to him as you went around town?
1: We drove around. We went to his neighbourhood where he grew up in. He pointed to places like, look, there was a big swathe of grass, sort of woodland and grass behind the housing project where he grew up. And he said, I would not go there as a child. This is where people went to deposit bodies, was how he put it. Right.
2: And often you would find bodies back here.
1: Right. So you still wait It just didn't look like that anymore. And he drove past the spot where one time he was stopped by the police and, and rather cruelly treated because he was driving while he had his hood up. So he sort of took me through his childhood and his neighbourhoods to show what he'd experienced and to try and show a sense of the progress that had been made. We went through one neighbourhood that he said had been the kind of heroin epicentre of the city. He said there used to be a dealer on each corner of this crossroads and he described it. He said today it's still one of our most challenged neighbourhoods is how he put it but it's a lot what better.
2: Say, do what we say, what we um,
1: I think someone like that, that knows that Canton is never going to be New York, case, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia. No, it's never going to be a perfect place. But I think Gabe felt that they could really turn a corner, and I think he um, felt and that and he that was, that was playing a role in true, making true, his city a place where people can flourish, you know, where people aren't having their everyday blighted by violent crime, by police brutality, whatever it is. Um, I think he felt like a better future was possible.
0: You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, the Sunday Times Washington Bureau Chief, Josh Glancy. You can read more of Josh's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print on Sundays. The producers were Leona Hamid and James Shield. The executive producer is Leo Hornack and the deputy executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Leo Hornack. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you liked what you heard, or even if you didn't, please do leave us a review. You can subscribe for free. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and more. By the way, all next week you'll be relieved to know you'll get a short break from me. You'll hear some big names guest hosting Stories of Our Times all week to celebrate the launch of Times Radio. More on that later, but for now, see you tomorrow.